Any good to know God's in control and knows what he's doing? This song, um, I've been changing the songs, and that's, that's it right there. Fear is a liar. And, you know, Satan loves to work through fear and through chaos and things like that. But the Holy Spirit is present here. And I was looking at the sermon and saying, okay, Dwayne, do I need to change anything? And amazingly, I don't. Um, it's exactly what we're talking about in a whole different tenor now, in a whole different presentation perhaps, but the exact same truths. The, um, the scripture today, I will, I will do this, I don't normally do this, but I will let you hear the scripture from the Word of God before we jump into the message. And uh, I want to tell you that I told two of my favorite young ladies here, and I said, you need to pray for me because I'm, I'm pretty anxious about the message today. And I'm preaching about being anxious. And uh, so it's funny how God works all things out. But it's verse 6 and 7 in Philippians 4. As you know, we've been in storm, uh, storm-proofing our lives and using Philippians as our base scripture and then fleshing it out uh, with other parts of the Word of God. But today, it says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer... And supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that a powerful scripture? It really is. Let's just pray before we go. God, I thank you for all things. I thank you that um, you are sovereign, that you're in control, and, and uh, you're even going to bring glory to your name through what has happened today. And we want to pray that sweet lady, Father, um, that you'll just watch over her right now and she's on her way to the hospital. And then, Father, also, Holy Spirit, we want to invite you to work right here in our lives because fear is a liar. And uh, we see things like this and it can cause fear in our lives, particularly when it's outside these doors. So we want to pray, Lord, that you would be made big as we present the scripture today. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you, by the way, to get the uh, version app out. And if you've got it there on your phone, go to events and then go to the uh, scriptures there. Look for today's date and you'll see it live right now. Because, again, there's a lot of good scriptures. Not sure we're going to get to all of them, um, but we'll see how that plays out. Well, I wanted to introduce the message today with that song that we all know. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. In his hands. It, I think the second verse goes something like this. He's got the brothers and the sisters in his hand. And then it goes on and says, he's got the itty bitty baby in his Oh yeah, let's, you fully expected the mic to mess up today. Okay? He's got the itty bitty baby uh, in his hands. And, and of course, if you've been here for Girl Scout Sunday, you know he's got all the Girl Scouts um, in his hand, if you've ever been here for that. But, but then, with that knowledge and that thought... He's got the whole world in his hands. We have things like today. You know, it seems like sometimes he's got the whole world in his hands, but it seems like he might be bobbling the ball. It may, it may seem like, you know, he's about to drop the baby. And, 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 that, and that happens, and when that happens, anxiety occurs. You know, I look around the room today, and I see different people here today that have some really major things going on in your life. You know, again, it may be economics, it may be health, it may be caring for someone else, but there's some big deals in our life that pop up, and, and it causes us to be 
anxious about that. Because it seems like, uh, just get the hand mic. It seems, it seems like God is not in control after all. And again, that causes anxiety in our lives. Um, I was doing a, a reading plan uh, based on anxiety in the Version app. And here's what it said. True peace is only found in the presence of God. Now, this is the challenge for today. True peace is only found in the presence of God. So, so what if the answer to anxiety isn't less stress but more God? What, what, if, what if the answer to anxiety is not less stress but more God? And that's just the way it is. I mean, that is so true in life. The whole thrust today is going to be ultimately that God calls us in our stormy lives to have faith and trust in Him. That same reading plan said this, Being anxious for nothing is not the absence of fearful circumstances, but faith in the presence of God. Now listen, if you're waiting for a time to come in your life when there's an absence of storms, if you're waiting for a time to come in your life when there's an absence of anxiety, you're going to be waiting a long time. Because again, again, it's not about the absence of those things, it's the presence of God. In Romans chapter um, 14, verse number 8, you know, Paul writes this verse, you've probably heard it before, listen to it right now. It says this, If we live... We live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, now let, me, let me give you the Dwayne Taylor translation of that. Okay? If we live, God's got us. Someone say amen. If we live, God's got us. And if we die... God's guidance. So whether we live or whether we die, God's guidance. That is the thrust of how we are to live life as Christ followers today. In this stormy world that we live in, we need to come to a point. And this is kind of where the sermon title came from. You know, weatherproof. And it's not like W-E-A-T-H-E-R. It's W-H-E-T-H-E-R. Weather. Okay. And this is where it came from. Weather. We live or we die, God has us. And we want to weatherproof. We want to reach a point in our life that no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what the storms look like, that we believe in our hearts that whether we live or die, God's got us. God's got us. So we come to Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, and we come to that first verse we read, you know, be anxious for nothing. Now, about the time I started doing this series, you know, Judy chose to do a sermon series from Greg Rochelle, um, kind of on anxiety. And again, it had nothing to do with mine. In fact, his was four weeks and mine's going to be eight. So it takes me a longer time to say what he said in four weeks. But anyway, um, it's not connected at all. But one of the things he said um, in that, which was so powerful, he said this. Um, he said, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Isn't that good? If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. What is anxiety, he said? What is anxiety? It is a signal alerting us that it's time to pray. 
When situations pop in our lives, like today, that is God sending a red flag to us that is time for us to pray. It's not time to panic. It's not time to run around wondering why the world's going on. See, the crazy culture we live in today, that's not a sign of craziness. That's a sign of God calling us to prayer. God calling us to prayer. So, so again, the King James Version, the New King James Version, in the King James Version, words this, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. Now, the word here, the word worry in the Greek, this is really important. The, the word Greek and worry means to be pulled in opposite directions. Now, I know, I know, again, I'm looking around the room and we're more of an older crowd because a lot of the kids are over at McKinley today. But y'all remember this TV show Tarzan? Not the movie. Not the, I mean, back in black and white days, okay? In our world, in the South, it came on right after church, just about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we would come home from church, spend out long the preacher preached, and mom would have roast beef and mashed potatoes and all that. And the whole family would come over. And then when, the, when it was over, we'd all go to the living room and we would watch Tarzan. And again, in my eight or nine-year-old world, one of the coolest things I ever saw was an episode. Never forgot it. One of the episodes is when the, na- the bad natives were attacking the good natives. Okay? And the bad natives would take men from the, from the good natives and they would cross two trees and tie an arm and a leg to each one of the eggs and let the tree go. Now, of course, back in those days, you didn't see a thing. But what you heard was, ah! as the guy was ripped apart. Here's the deal. Worry, if we allow it, will rip us apart. Worry will rip us apart. And if that's not a, a, a better, a good picture for you today, then the other one's this. The word, English word worry comes from the old English word that meant to strangle. To strangle. So no matter how you paint the picture today, either you're being pulled in different directions and being pulled apart by worry, or rather, if it's got you around the neck and strangling you, you, it's deep weeds. It's deep weeds. In fact, how many of you have ever heard the term worry war? Yeah, worry war. You know where that came from? So back in the old days, I'm talking back in England, back in those days, okay, um, you've heard the old wives' tale. um, Let's see, how do we want to verbalize this? Um, if a frog, oh, let's just lay it out there. If a frog peed on your hand, you'd get a wart. Have y'all heard that before? Yeah. Well, guess what? It's not true. It's an old wives' tale. It's been proven not true. You'll get a wet hand out of the deal, uh, but you won't get a wart out of the deal. Warts are caused by virus and not by frogs peeing on people's hands. All right? But here's the deal. Even now, even now, older people, and even then, when they knew the truth, it was a wise, old wives' tale, guess what? people still were afraid of frogs doing something on their hands, okay? And hence, they were worried warts. They were worried about getting warts. And here's the deal. It goes one step further. They were worried unnecessarily because science said you don't get warts from frogs peeing on your hands. But the tradition outweighed science, okay? Now, here's the deal. Circumstances are going to scream at you that you've got every reason to worry. But God Almighty says, you don't have to worry because I got you. Whether you live, I got you. And if you die, I got you. And whether you live or die, God's got us. That's what you've got to take home today. 
That's, yeah, amen. That's what you've got to take home today. And, and again, thank you, God, for orchestrating uh, this today. You know, the little sister, she's going to be fine. She got, she's in the hands of God. She's good. But God gave us that today as a gift. Let's don't waste it. Let's don't waste it. Don't waste it. Let this be a message to you today that God's got you. God had room. And God's got us. Every time and in every way. Now, we move down. And I did look at this to see if I need to cut this today. I'm not worried. We're okay on clockwise. Um, but this has been a troubling scripture for me my entire pastoral life of 37 years. Um, every time I preach it, I find myself wanting to figure it out, kind of, well, maybe he meant this. But has it ever occurred to you, isn't it, isn't it wild, that the, what's the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus? And, and period. Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon ever preached. And right there in smack dab, in the middle of the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus doesn't give it a passing note. He spends moments and minutes telling us not to worry. Tell us not to worry. And I always look my people in the eye when I would preach this and go, well, maybe he meant this. And you know what I figured out preparing for this message? He meant exactly what he said. He meant exactly what he said. Now, and this is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse, starting in verse number 25. And, and he says this. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, about your body, what will you wear. That's exactly what he meant. Now, let me tell you this. Here, here's the part of the conflict that I've got. In their world, there was no safety nets. So the people, the people that he was teaching... That day, the people he was teaching, there was no social security. There were no government plans. Dave Ramsey hadn't come up yet with the great Financial Peace University and had them say, now listen, you first get $1,000 in the bank. Once you get 1000 you work for 10000 and Ultimately, you want between four to six months' salary. So just in case you lose your job or something like that, you'll have money in the bank to take care of it. There were no safety nets. And Jesus is looking at these people and telling them, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you will drink, and about your body, what you're going to wear. Even though there are no safety nets, the, the, the Son of God looks these folks in the eye and says, Now listen, you don't have to worry about this. Now they did have something we don't have. They had a story. They had a story that they believed to be true about a time when God reached down to Egypt and told Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh did let them go, and this is going to be a sermon next week, because I can't say too much, okay, about the practical part, how it played out. But they got to the Red Sea, and what happened? Pharaoh backed their backs against the sea, and God did a miraculous thing. You'll hear about it next week. They, got, they started a journey that ended up being 40 years. How long? 40 years in the wilderness. And they, not once did they have to worry about food. You know why? God provided God provided. They didn't have to worry about water. Now, they did. They about crucified Moses a couple times over water, okay? But God did cool things like speaking to rocks and smacking rocks, and water came out of a rock. How about that? He, he, even, he even arranged for them so that their clothes would last 40 years. Their shoes lasted 40 years. 
They had that. They remember. They had heard it in synagogue school, okay, about a God, about a God, about a God who could take care of their needs. They, they heard it. They heard in, in synagogue school about a God who was big enough to handle anything that they wanted to worry about. And I need to tell you, we need to go to school. Because we're all worked up, all of us, about the craziest things in the world. And God that provided for them is the God that can provide for us today. Just rest in Him. Rest in Him. Now, I will say this. Here's the crazy part. The crazy part is, he goes on and says that same verse. He says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, can we be honest? Can we be honest? Most people listening on the radio, most people listening on Facebook Live, and most people in this building today, we don't worry if we're going to go home and have lunch or not. Now, there are some. There are hungry people who will not have lunch today because there is no food in their cabinet. But for the bulk of us, for the bulk of us, we've got lunch. It may not be exactly what we want, but we've got lunch. See, for most of us, our concern over food isn't whether we'll have lunch, it's if our steak will be cooked right or not. See, most of us, we don't have to worry about clothing because we've got clothing. All, our, all we're worried about is will people like what we wear. Yeah, see, see, that's what I'm saying. We worry about the crazy things. Our, our concerns for most of us in this room and on that Facebook page and on that radio station, most of us are just concerned about things that do not matter in eternity. It's our preferences and not what we need. And not what we need. He, he talks about this in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He said, He then told them, Watch out and be on guard against all greed. Against all greed. See, we don't worry. Most of our needs, are the things that we worry about, are not needs, they're greeds. Let me say that again. Most of the things we worry about are not needs, they're greeds. We, we go out and buy cars we can't afford, and then have to make payments we cannot afford, and we're all stressed out. Now, there are some things. Don't, I'm not making light, okay, of life. I understand that. But the bottom line is, in America, in this Western culture that we live in, so much of what we worry about are greeds and not needs. Will people like us? Will they not like us? Will they like the clothes? Will, like clothes? Will the Joneses know that I'm trying to keep up with them? That's how life is. And, and Jesus says, listen, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, he says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed because one's life is not the abundance of your possessions. So, so if you're all worked up, anybody here all worked up? Yeah, if you're all worked up and it's about what people think about you, let it go. Let it go. If, if you're worried about how, you know, how, if you can get a new car next year or, or if you're going to be able to add an extra bedroom to your house or can I buy a new house, let it go. Let it go. Listen, your life is more than your possessions. Your life is more than your possessions. Your life is more. Listen, the problem with most people in, your, in the world today, in our world of American culture, is not the stuff we own. In fact, the stuff owns us. And we worry about it. Can, can our kids go to seven different events after school this year? 
Have you ever figured something out? What is the full-time job of a kid? Being a student. And how many students have extracurricular activities? I'm not talking about one, two, three, four, five. Let me ask you a question. How would you like to have a full-time job and five part-time jobs? How would your life be? Why do we take our children, and listen, I'm not, listen, your child ought to be involved. Why do we take our kids and send them to school and want them to be an A student and then turn right around and load their lives up with all these other stuffs? And we wonder why we're stressed. And we wonder why they're stressed. Come on now. Come on. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Life is more than stuff. Life is, Jesus said, said, but man, your one's life is not in the abundance of things or our possessions. So he goes, I mean, it's like he, he, he rode this horse and he wouldn't let it go. So he keeps on talking. In verse numbers 26 and 27, he says, Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, was this a hypothetical thing? Was he metaphorically speaking? No. He's saying, look, have you looked at the birds recently? Okay. You know, they, they, they walk around, they don't have barns, they don't have, but the Heavenly Father takes care of them. Hey, did you know your Heavenly Father can take care of you? Did you know your Heavenly Father? If you're dependent, listen, ma'am, if you're dependent on your husband to take care of you, you are in deep weeds. And sir, if somehow you're dependent on your wife to take care of you, you are in deep weeds. Because let me tell you something. Man will fail you, but God never will. Man will fail you, but God never will. Man will fail you, but God never will. God never will. I'm telling you, we, we need to make this reality. We need to make this work in our lives. He goes on and says this. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And you had one moment of time in your life by worrying. No, but let me tell you what you can do. You can cut it short. You can cut it short. You can't add, but you sure can subtract. Now this dude, I, I usually try to look up on the internet how to pronounce his name. And I'm hoping you don't know him. If you do know him, would you show a little grace today? But it's author, R-O-C-H-E, Rocky Rocky, Rocky, anyway. Here, this is what he says. This is huge. Worry, are you listening? Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. I'll read it again. Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, if it is allowed to go unchecked, it cuts a channel unto which all other thoughts are drained. In other words, worry is this, this thing of fear and it trickles through your mind. If you don't stop it, the gap will get bigger and bigger and before long, all your thoughts will flow in that one channel. In other words, you'll become a worry wart. You'll become ex- obsessed with anxiety. If you don't take care of that little worry that's in your mind, cutting that channel in your mind, you know what you're going to end up with? The Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon started a long time ago with a river that slowly cut through the rock. And now it's magnificent and grander, but also is a warning to us. If we don't watch worry, worry will destroy 
us. Worry will destroy us. He goes on. He doesn't quit. Verse number 28 and 29. And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yeah, I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned better than these. So he wraps it up. In verse 30. So, if that's how, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you of little faith? Can I rephrase that just a little bit? If God takes care of the flowers of the field and the birds and the sky, hasn't he done, not can do, hasn't he done so much more for you already? Come on, come on. You, you have got, listen, you, we've got to look around. Sometimes it is very profitable for us to look back. When we're sitting there going, oh, can God handle this? What if God can't do this? What about this? And what about that? See, it's transparency time. Somewhere out there in the future, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And so we've been pouring money into this 401k thing. Okay? And my 401k depends on the stock market. And the stock market depends on a lot of things. Okay? So you can ask Judy... So I've had this little anxiety thing going on. Judy, are we going to be able to eat? So God reaches up and slaps me in the face and goes, Hello? Will we have a place to live? Hello? If the God who wrote it in the book can handle what's in the book, I think he can handle the future of this preacher boy. My, listen, you might as well just get turned around. My hands, my future is not in the hands of the stock market. My future is in the hands of Almighty God. And let me just tell you right now, so is yours. These folks right here, y'all don't have a house, do you? Hurricane come through and destroyed your house. But you know who's in your, whose hands you're in, brother? You're in the hands of Almighty God. That's I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We've got to come to reality of what the Word of God says. He tells us, I got you. If you live, I got you. If you die, I got you. Whether you live or whether you die, I got you. I got you. I got you covered. I got you covered. You're okay. He goes on and says this. So don't worry. Don't be anxious saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? See, the Gentiles, the, the world, the Gentile eagerly seeks all these things and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. So get ready. Here it comes. So seek first the kingdom of God. Rule number one. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the rule of God in your life. Maybe today is the day you're finally going to look God in the eye and say, God, you're God and I'm not. You're king, Jesus, and I am not. Today I surrender to your kingdom. I surrender to your Will. And then he says, not only seek his kingdom, but his righteousness. His right way of living is what righteousness is. Hey, good God. Hey, God. Today I seek you. You're king. You're God. And I'm not. And I choose to live your way. See, so much of this junk that we worry about is caused by 
us living our way. But Jesus says if we'll live his way, all these things, come on, somebody say all these things. Yeah, all these things will be added unto you. All these things will be added unto you. Listen to the 23rd Psalm. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Yeah, he didn't say, I have what I need. He said, I have what I need. See, see, God's not the want God, but he does promise to be the need God. And sometimes he does want us, but he promises to meet our needs. Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. That's the kind of God that he is. And then, and then in Matthew 10, I love this one. In Matthew 10, Jesus is talking again and says, now don't miss this. He says in verse 29, Aren't two sparrows sold for penny? And, and they just said, that's right. That's right. We would say, we would say, can't you buy a Snicker bars for a dollar? When I was younger, anybody remember this? You could get six Snicker bars for 49 cents. So Jesus would have said to me as a boy, can't you go down to Pick and Save or, or A&P or Piggly Wiggly? And can't you buy six whole Snicker bars for 49 cents? And I'd say, yay, God, I can do that. I can do that. So he says this. Listen, two sparrows for a penny, yet not one of them. Now listen, listen. Not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. Now either that is true or it's not. That means that when a sparrow flies out in front of a car and gets hit, God knows it. In fact, it says... Without his consent. Do you believe that? I mean, it's, it's in the book. I'm just saying, one, it's in the book, and two, Jesus said it. I mean, I'm just saying. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, and yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent? Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Now, about now, I make a joke about Bird, okay, about Daryl Palmer, you know, well, one of our, the guy back there with no hair. One of those guys down You know, you know we look, about time to make a joke. Well, let's not make a joke today. It really means that, Dave, God knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows that. You believe that? Now, let me ask you a question. That's probably insignificant to you. But if God does indeed know every time a sparrow falls... That will give us some kind of confidence that he's a pretty wise and powerful God. And if God does know how many hair is Tim, how many hairs on your head, mustache, and I can't see if there's a beard there or not. If he knows all that, he's a pretty wise and a pretty powerful God. Now again, it's either it's either there, it's either it's, maybe he's just maybe he's just doing a little illustration. Maybe he's just trying to be a good public speaker. And no, you know what it means? It means that a bird doesn't fall without God knowing it. And it means he does know the hairs on your head. That's what, that's what it says. He goes, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. How much more? How much more? Right here. If you want to know what you're what you're worth. Anybody want to know what you're worth? 
I, I don't know what you've got in your portfolio. You know, Dave Ramsey's things called Everyday Millionaires. You know, if you're worth your net worth about a million dollars, okay. I don't know. I don't know what your net worth is, but I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you that, Chris. I'm gonna tell you what you're worth today. You are worth the blood of the sinless Son of God. Yeah, that's something to clap about. That's what you're worth. Now, now, see, that means that you're incredibly valuable to God. And I've got a few things that are precious to me, okay, that I value and I guard. I want you to know something, that you're incredibly valuable to God. And you, you, He will guard you and He will protect you because you're valuable to Him. So we finally get down now. We get down. I spent all that time telling you why you shouldn't worry about who God is. But what do we do? The truth is, truth is, truth is, we get anxious. I was anxious about this message. One year ago today, today, I was at Harrisburg Medical Center fixing to get a heart stent. Four or five months ago, I was at Mercy Health getting another heart cap. You don't want to know why? I was stinking stressed out. My heart rate was high. I was short of breath. I am almost positive. I wasn't having a heart issue. I was having an anxiety issue. I remember it was Friday on fourth, uh, Friday of vacation Bible school. Jesus said, go to the hospital. Tim Tart said, go to the hospital. They got there and found nothing. But it was real to me. I was full of anxiety. Full of anxiety. So what do you do with that? Okay. Philippians 4, 6, the second part. Be anxious for nothing but, be anxious for nothing but, okay, in everything, how much? Okay. Now again, this is either true or it's not. It's true or it's not. I don't see, I don't see a caveat here. I don't see a footnote except for, I see this, in everything, now watch, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. So, so Paul says, rather than worry, rather than be anxious for nothing, here's what I want you to do. I want you in everything, in all circumstances, in all situations, I want you to pray, let your request be known, and be thankful. Now here's what's really cool. I mean this. If you're taking notes, this is worth writing down. See that word prayer? In everything by prayer. That's just not an ordinary word for prayer. Built into that word in the Greek, okay, is the idea of worship. Of worship. Remember I told you last week that that um, worship could be the key to your prison? Worship is the key to your prayer life. You don't even know that. If, if and when you pray, okay, usually it's a crisis time, you get on your face for God and say, God, I need this and I need it now. And he would tell you, slow down. Let's, let's have a little worship session first. Because see, when you make God big, you understand he can answer your prayers. If fear drives your prayer life, you're not going to get very far. If worship drives your prayer life, it will magnify. It will magnify. So, so he says, first thing you do in everything, 
with prayer. First thing I want you to do is I want you to worship God. I want you to take a moment and just worship God. God, you're incredible. God, you're big. God, you love me. God, you're full of mercy. God, you're full of grace. God, if you can handle this, I know you can handle that. God, 25 years ago, when I needed you, you were there. And God, I bet since you were there 25 years ago, you're going to be there today. God, I can trust you. Take time to worship. And by the way, make your prayer life more fun. Rather than just a want list, it just adds a little depth to it. So, so he says, the first thing you need to do is I want you in everything, I want you to have a little Jesus meeting and I want you to worship. Okay? Then, he says, then I want you to bring your supplications, your requests before the Lord. Okay? Now, I'm going to pause here because I want to make sure you get this because we need to hear this. And again, I think this... Who, Judy, I don't know who this came from. Um, but here's the deal. You need to ask yourself this question. Is your prayer life results-based or relationship-based? Yeah, that's chew on that one there, Miss Jackie. Is your prayer life depend on the results that God gives you or your relationship with Him? Now, let me just tell you this. That's why that worship thing is so important. Okay? Prayer is not about getting results. It's about your relationship with God. In fact, I'm just going to lay something out there to you. You know, we sit there and get on prayer. God, this is what I want. I, I need a job. My child's sick. This is what's going on. God, God, God. And God, this is what I want. And I think God ought to pause this one time. He said, let me ask you a question. Who knows better, me or you? Did you, get, did you all of a sudden get smarter than me? I mean, come on, prayer warriors. Do you really think our job is to change God's mind? Do you, prayer warriors, do you really think that, that if we get 25 people agreeing in prayer, God's going to just up and change his mind? Like, whoops, I made a mistake. Let me just tell you something. God is smarter than you. God knows better than you. And the book of James says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. He ain't going to make no boo-boo. That's why prayer is about relationship. Why do we pray? We pray to say, God, I love you. God, I trust you. Now, this is the desire of my heart. But God, if my desires do not line up with your desires, your desire wins. Now I'm telling you what, when you start praying like that, your prayer life is going to come alive. It's not going to be you in a room one day and you wonder if the ceiling fan's talking to you. All of a sudden you're going to find yourself in the presence of holy God and He's going to be so meaningful to you, so real to you. And let me tell you something, it doesn't end in the prayer room. It just bleeds over throughout the day. It oozes, like we talked about the other day, it oozes out of you. It oozes this out of you. He said, he said, pray, bring your supplications. And then thanksgiving. And thanksgiving. Be sure. If you go home for lunch today, now Judy and I do that prayer thing. She's a little more faithful than me. Sometimes when I grab a sandwich, I just go in there and sit down and start chomping down. And I hear this voice in the wilderness going, and Father, we thank you for this food. Man, I tell you what. Feel, feel bad all over. Feel bad all over. But we need to thank God for our food. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all go out and eat? Come on now. It's not a trick question, I promise you. Okay, do you ever thank God for the money to buy the food? You ever say, God, I think, some of y'all, <laughs> how appropriate for Pastor Appreciation Month. 
Some of you give us gift cards. Thank you. And so we were at, um, we were at uh, O'Charlie's, okay? Don't know who it was. We had a gift card left over from Christmas or something. And uh, we prayed, God, thank you for this food and thank the person who gave us the gift card. Be grateful with thanksgiving. So we're going to worship God. We're going to make our request known, lining up with Him, okay? And then we're going to thank God. And we're going to thank God. Now, let me, let me throw these quotes out to you. I think we got them on the machine. These are real quickies, okay? If you're facing a problem, you've got two options. You can worship or worry. If you're facing a problem, you've got two options. You can worship or worry. If you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. I like that one. I like that one. If you only pray when you're in trouble, you are in trouble. When life is rough, you pray. When life is rough, when life is rough, when life is great, you got it, buddy. You got it. And I needed one dead person quote today. So it's Martin Luther. Okay, prayer is a strong wall and fortress of the church. And Rebecca, I checked to make sure this was still a word. It is goodly is a good, goodly Christian weapon. A goodly Christian weapon. And it is. And the last one is this. Prayer doesn't change God. But it does change Him who prays. We, we don't need to try to change mind, God's mind. We don't Listen, if every good and perfect gift does come down from the Father above, we don't need to change God's mind. But we should allow prayer to change us. You see, what that's, what's going to happen is, when we allow that to happen, as it changes us, we're going to love God deeper and trust Him deeper. That's what's going to happen. And that is going to change your life. And that is going to change your life. All right, let's wind this sucker up. Matthew 6 Verse number 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was in college, sometimes the teacher would say, you know, I need a 500-word paper by tomorrow. And so if you had, and of course, this, when I did this, you counted the words. Now Word does that for you. You know, Microsoft Word will count the words. Okay? Okay. God doesn't do word count sermon or prayers. God does not do word count prayers. God doesn't say, okay, in order for a prayer to be effective, I need 600 words. Okay? In fact, he says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that we heard for the many words. The longer the prayer, the better the prayer. The bigger the words in the prayer, the better the prayer. The more high-sounding the prayer, the better the prayer. No, no, and no. No, no, and no. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Tell me, tell me that prayer is relationship-based and not result-based. Because He already knows what you need. It's relationship-based. It's not results-based. Your Father knows what you need. So finally, we're going to skip the Lord's Prayer today because of time. When you get time this week, go back and read through it. 
Because Jesus said, well, this is how you ought to pray. He didn't say this is how you need to pray. This is how you ought to pray. And he gives us a lesson in prayer. But we end up with this in verse number 7 of Philippians 4. So okay, we're going to pray. We're going to give worship. We're going to pray. We're going to present our supplications. And then we're going to be thankful to God. And the peace of God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart, that's your emotions, and your mind, that's your intellect, will guard you, will guard you. So prayer is a big key to worry. That's why Paul said, sitting in a Roman prison, not sure of his future, that's why Paul said, be anxious for nothing. And Greg Rochelle, as only Greg Rochelle can do, said, because if you worry, you're being anxious for nothing. Worry doesn't change a thing, but prayer can, and prayer does. Let's pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me just take a moment. I'm still amazed our wonderful God as he takes care of that sweet sister as he set us up today to believe him and trust him would you be willing to do that would you be willing to believe and trust God the best way to storm proof our lives is trusting and believing in God your portfolio your banking account the government no, but to believe and trust in God. So if you're here today, the big news I've got for you first, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I know those are church words, but if you're here and you've never come to a relationship with the Creator God of the universe, you can today. He counts you as valuable because when Jesus died, He died for you. If you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, turning from your sin and choosing to follow Him, He'll forgive your sins and He'll walk with you the rest of your lives and well into eternity. That's the kind of God that He is. We'll be having our time of decision in just a moment. I'll be standing down front. I want to invite you to come and say, Dwayne, I want to know more about this Jesus. If you're here today and you're like your pastor, I get anxious. I do. I was anxious about the sermon. I can't explain why. I do this up to three times a week for 37 years. But I was very anxious about it. I'm anxious about this afternoon. About 4 o'clock, I'll be standing before a much smaller crowd than this. But I'm nervous. I'm anxious. You know what? We need to tell God, God, help me to trust you. Help me to believe you. Help me to put my faith in you. And you know what? You'll find him there. He's faithful. He's big enough. And he's strong. If there's any other concern on your heart, there's a lot to be concerned about with seeing in our culture and all that's going on. Maybe you just want to come down to the altar and pray we got some folks who would be glad to pray with you.
if that's the case. But let God do something in your life today. One of our sisters came and knelt down and said, God wants to do something big today. And I agree with her. And I'm praying that God will work in my life and our lives as we trust Him. So God, you're incredibly wonderful. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you that you're totally controlled our sister's life. Thank you for that. Thank you for sending ambulance workers who knew her, who had cared for her before. Knew her by name. Thank you that you took care of that minute detail. Thank you for the wonderful medical professionals in our church. Three or four, five of them around this lady. Thank you for having a church where Father, when someone feels ill, there's people willing to jump up and help. How incredible is that? Father, thank you, Lord, that you are a wonderful God, our creator God, and that you will take care of us. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.